1: what it is to be champions. Welcome to Through the Keyhole, uh, an OU fan podcast. It is time to talk about actual football. I'm extremely excited as you can tell over my voice. Uh, I'm joined as always by uh, Alan Kenny and matt burton alan uh when we jumped on the zoom call the only thing i heard of was i'm a little bit sluggish we had a hard night uh what's going on <laughs> what's
2: going on on the east coast oh you know everybody's just uh i don't know you know i was talking to some friends last night like i'm not a summer guy like i'm a fall guy because i like football i like the way the weather turns and everything you know like i'm i'm so ready just to get going with this season and we got a nice kind of appetizer yesterday you know i was able to kind of pop in and out checking in on some games i was actually kind of up late watching uh that new mexico state uh nevada game because i had a little bit of an interest personal rooting interest in that uh monetarily of course so other than that i'm so i'm dragging but you know getting by
1: and matt man i know you're talking about this is like kind of the the last weekend before the flagship programs those you took back into the slave cages.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> how did, yes. you, how did yes. you
1: celebrate?
0: Um, no man, we just we just went out on the town, man. Hit a did a little bar crawl on uh, 23rd Street, basically up here in uh, in Oklahoma City, and um, it was fun. You can you can probably tell in my voice, I'm a little sluggish, but hey, man, we went we went a little bit hard last night <laughs> because like like you said, uh, I'm not gonna have another weekend off. Uh, until OU's first bye week, so uh, going to be a while. Going to be a while. Also, Alan did the uh, did the over hit. Is that what you had the over? Uh
2: well, <laughs> I had uh, <laughs> I actually had the under, so that was the ah, okay. one part of that uh, transaction that I did cash on. But uh, no, uh, I was uh, I was riding uh, New Mexico State pretty hard, and uh, they threw an interception late in the game that uh, put the cover out of reach. So it was ah. it was pain that part was painful
1: and then everyone we ask you to uh join uh, as you heard from the, the other two voices and myself as well if you can just kind of stay with us we're all three kind of sluggish uh i actually rode in a ride called hotter in hell in wichita falls uh an 100 mile race i was on my bike for a uh, pedaling time five and a half hours a uh, total time six hours and ten minutes and i've got a little bit of a trigger finger in my left hand from holding rookie mistake holding onto the to the handlebars too hard for six hours so I don't have as much dexterity in my left hand at the moment, but it should return in like a day or two. Uh, just kind of hard to hit that shift button. Uh, <laughs> but, but other than that, I think all three of us are doing pretty good. Um, and we're ready to talk about some football. Let's go through for, for some uh, Week Zero updates. You fly all the way out to, the, the, uh, to Dublin, Ireland, just to kind of get embarrassed by a team you theoretically – I don't even know if you can say theoretically anymore because they lost pretty badly Northwestern last year should beat a uh, 12.5 favorites. I believe, um, Helen, mm-hmm. I was on like I said, I was on a bike pedaling, uh, for my life. Did you watch the game? I saw the highlights, but what was it like during the tenor of the football game itself?
2: Yeah. You know, I mean, I was in and out, um, throughout, but what, you know, the parts that I did see, um, what struck me really was the Nebraska defense was the big surprise in this game and really not in a good way. Uh, you know, last year Northwestern scored um 31 points like more than 31 points just one time. Uh, which you know, th- they were all put that up yesterday. Uh, nearly, you know, pardon me, 528 total yards. That was a lot more than any game they had last year, too. I mean, you know. It just the the run d in particular for Nebraska looked like a real problem as the game wore on. They really wore down. Um and just that part of it, I would I was that was really surprising me because I've been pretty impressed with the work that Shenander has done uh with that defense there as a defensive coordinator. Um and Northwestern's just been so abysmal on offense. Um, of course, you know, really the uh the kind of the story after the game was a Scott Frost kind of threw his uh, coaching staff under the bus with yep. uh, their, for their lack of creativity, which was uh, not a good way to start the uh, season. And also, you know, there's a question about uh, uh onside kick that was called in the third quarter where, um, you know, maybe it would have been a good decision. I don't know. Uh, but the thing is from a momentum standpoint, if you, if that, if you believe in that kind of thing or, you know, but uh, the thing is, the Nebraska kicker kicked it directly to uh, yes. Northwestern's, you know, guy, return guy. I mean, or whoever's on the front line there on the kickoff return team, and he, I mean, fielded no problem. So, you know, I just uh, a lot of questionable stuff there. Uh, Casey Thompson also looked. He looked. I mean, I thought he looked pretty solid. You know, he threw two interceptions. I didn't think the second one was his fault so much, um, but just. Not not the kind of start that uh the Cornhuskers clearly were looking for this year.
1: Yeah, from the highlights and everything, uh, shout out to Wills. I don't know who you are, but uh you you get these highlights on YouTube extremely quickly. <laughs> yeah. Uh big big time shout out to Wills. Uh it, it did look like Northwestern was just pushing Nebraska around, which is not something I fully intended to see. And I saw um, you know, Casey make a lot of off. Uh, platform throw throws, rolling out of the pocket, doing stuff he's generally good at. Um, but yeah, that second interception was right in the tight end. I mean, tight end had to go mm-hmm. up and over a little bit, but you got there, you, you kind of have to catch it at that point in time. But even then they had like, what, two minutes to go all the yeah. way down the field. I mean, they hadn't done that in a quarter and a half. Uh, and I know everyone is focusing on the onside kick. And I, I guess I will too, to a certain degree. You're winning why would you it's too early for it to be uh a, a, in my mind it's too early for it to be the death blow and you're only adding variance when you're clearly performing as the better team but instead you're adding chaos to this stuff you're adding variance to these things and i don't know if it's like a uh, an offensive coordinator turned head coach like curse where it's like you know, it's mid third quarter, we could t- kill them now or right before halftime, we could squib it and just win right now. And you still have so much game to play. It just doesn't seem to make it's almost kind of like the old thing of like going for two too early. Now you're chasing points the entire time or something like there's a place and a time for it. And to me, that time just didn't make sense. And if you want to say there's football gods or something, they don't score again after that play. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what you do with that. I don't know how you do it. But I believe it's twelve out of the last twenty uh, losses. It's been their they're one score losses. I mean,
2: is that well, not they've just lost, indicative? They lost seven straight games, and all of them have been by one score. And um, is that not just indicative of coaching at that I mean, point in time? Yeah, that, and that's the that's the kind of hard part, right? Because there's certainly going to be, you know, just some statistical, you know, kind of oddities here, just because we're just talking about seven games. But yeah, like. Is it, you know, what is it about, like, why are these games so close if, you know, in some, in some of these cases, I, I, mean, I just don't, I don't know, the program just isn't, I don't know, it just seems like they're stuck in this rut. And, you know, I know, I mean, it felt like yesterday would have been an opportunity for them to really break out of that uh and make a statement in their first game but they did the same thing they did a year ago you know last year they also had a week zero game against illinois lost that as an, as a favorite um you know it's just it's just not that that program is just stuck in this in this rut and uh you know i don't know how the i mean i one thing i would also keep in mind is that this was a, I mean, a three point loss in week zero when it was clearly the marquee game of the day. Like yeah. if this happened in week six, I don't think anybody would be, I mean, Nebraska fans would certainly be, you know, up in arms about it, but it wouldn't be this huge talking point, you know? I mean, so I, mean, I would, I would kind of keep that in mind, uh, that Nebraska season's can still be go go well. You know, I mean, keep in mind too, last year they played OU to the wire after losing that that o- that week zero game against Illinois. So you know, but it's just psychologically this program is just golly, man, there's just it's just not right, man.
0: There yeah, were uh, sorry, there were some really good tweets, I mean, about the Nebraska <laughs> yeah. game. I mean uh one from Tim Murray that I'm sure everyone saw but since the start of twenty twenty one Nebraska is three and ten with a plus sixty point differential. Jeez. <laughs> Nebraska's 10 losses minus 50 59. Nebraska's three wins plus 119. So they got a plus 60 point Jeez. win differential, but uh they're three and ten in their last one. Um our guy string that I think we we've had on here. Uh, I believe. I believe so. P- yes. Yeah, yes. The he yeah. had string on. Uh, not to pour more salt in the wound, but a reminder that Nebraska fired Pelini because they thought they were better than nine win seasons he brought them every single year.
2: Yeah, and I read too that uh, Scott Frost will have to would have to win fifty straight games to uh, achieve get to where Pelini was <laughs> when they yes. fired him. So <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And then oh, the last one we kind of brought up uh, Frost throwing his. Uh, coaches under the bus, but this was a quote from him in post game. Says, "quote I think our offensive staff has to learn. You've got to be a little more creative in this league."
2: And like that one, I mean, it. it well, first off, it's just a terrible way to treat your staff or, or terrible, terrible leadership on his part. But like, is he saying I was, you know, I had this, these new coaches foisted upon me, you know, that I didn't want these guys. This isn't my vision of the offense. Like what's he saying there?
1: I mean, these are the guys he hired to potentially save his job, right? (laughs) You know, and you can tell even when he was talking um, in some of the off seasons where he kept talking about the option to style stuff, his style of offense, wasn't really talking about Whipple style of offense really at all. That maybe he thought he's going to bring this guy in just to appease yeah. somebody who had issues. But I, I think we all kind of know. I mean, I, I believe that the date is October 1. I don't believe Scott Frost will be lasting much longer past that date, which is uh, when his dropout, which is a uh, buyout drops, but I think by like $6 million. Um, seven and I just, a half. Yeah. Seven and a half million dollars. I do not believe he's long for, I mean, you give them a chance and say, you know, if you could turn this to four and two or something like that. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, if if it's if it's sitting there two and four, because uh, uh, you've got that trap game uh, coming up uh, that uh, Stuart Mandel said Nebraska would lose. <laughs> so I mean, they could be zero and two, walking right into uh, uh, welcoming uh, the Oklahoma Sooners. Zero
2: oh, and uh, three. I mean, yeah, no. they've got you know, I mean, because they've got two more games before they play OU. So yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, 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 rest of the scores around the horn. Uh, F- Florida State 47. Uh, that's Q Duquesne. Uh, sev- Duquesne seven. Mm-hmm. That's a French word. That's an East Coaster thing. <laughs> Good to thank you for that. Uh, Illinois and Wyoming 38 to six. Uh, Utah State 31. UConn uh, 20. That game was kind of blowing up my timeline a little bit. Was there something kind of going on there?
2: Um, UConn went up early, which is like unheard of <laughs> you know and so the, like you know I think they were up 7 14-0 and then from there uh you know Utah State settled back down and uh you know gave Jim Jim Moore Jr's uh huskies their first loss of the year I'm sure it would be the first of many uh but yeah that was kind of the you know that was kind of the story midway through the day.
0: Isn't it kind of yeah. crazy that it wasn't really that long ago that oh, OU played them in a Fiesta Bowl? <laughs> yeah. No, OU man. played UConn in a Fiesta Bowl not that long ago. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, uh,
1: North depressing. Carolina, 56, Florida A&M, 24. The news I heard out of that was uh, North Carolina's defense did not look good. Uh, in a way, shape or, uh, shape, or form, but that's what you do for getting Gene Chiswick, who I mm-hmm. believe wasn't that good the first time he was North Carolina's DC. Twenty years yeah. ago, yeah.
2: Well, no, I think he was. It wasn't he the first defensive coordinator that Mac Brown had there when he came back for his second stint, and then Chiswick left. Oh, and now so he's I thought, back. I thought
1: he was. I thought he was the I DC think, the first time
2: Mac Brown think, was in I'm North gonna Carolina. To, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll look that up while you guys are uh, going on here.
1: And then, uh, over in the uh the Rainbow State, Vanderbilt sixty three, Hawaii Hawaii ten, uh, Vanderbilt oh. basically did whatever they wanted to on the ground. I watched the highlights of this. Uh, I mean, I I think everyone has a soft spot in their heart for Hawaii, uh, unless you're a Georgia fan. Um, uh, um, but yeah, uh, Vanderbilt, that's going to be good for their over if they can win these games. Uh, and I believe. Somebody on this podcast has a potential Rudy
2: interest in Vanderbilt hitting their uh, over on their win total. Indeed, oh, indeed, yeah, that's definitely one that uh, <laughs> I've got. I've gotten the tank there, yeah. So yeah. I am. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Uh, you know, we got off to the to a good start though. But like, how bad must Hawaii be? Like Todd Graham just completely sunk them, didn't he? I mean, looking at it, I mean. Yeah, Vanderbilt's an SEC team, but it's Vanderbilt giving up. Yeah, it's a different type boys. of SEC
1: team. <laughs> like, whew. and then the the game that wasn't even on this this uh, SI um, uh, recap because I'm assuming it happened way too late for anyone to update that. Uh, uh, University of North Texas, 31 UTEP, 13. That game did get bounced around by a bunch of weather delays, did it not? Or was it that did. Different game?
2: It did. You know, and as uh, as I was. Uh, watching my my bet on new mexico state go up in flames i was kind of trying to keep uh keep tabs on this one too it was on stadium so i was able to stream it um you know and this is one i mean oh you has some oh you fans have some interest here because have to who the sooners have on deck next um my major takeaway first of all is that their uniforms are like just uh, they're hideous, man. I mean, really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I was just like, Oh, uh, so that, that was one takeaway. Second one being like, just, I mean, Oh, you should push them around quite a bit. Uh, they really don't run the ball all that well and they don't stop the run. So, I mean, I could see this uh, being the kind of thing where all you kind of just mauls them early in the game. Um, but I mean, if if OU doesn't win this one comfortably, in my opinion, it would be a bad sign.
1: It's a bad sign when OU doesn't beat UTEP soundly. Uh, I know that one uh, Landry team went to El Paso and won mm-hmm. by a touchdown. I believe twenty to thirteen. If my if that's brazen, that was my a tough one to enough. watch, man. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it was extreme. I think uh, we're saved. I can't remember the running back who had like an eighty-yard touchdown run to kind of put it away. <laughs> um, Shoot. But looking ahead, yeah, uh, UTEP and OU, uh, now we're going to get into this game a little bit. Uh, walking through some of this stuff here, I believe, as you said, OU should be able to do whatever they want to, stopping UTEP in the run game. I don't think there should be anything there. UTEP's offense is seems to be run up the gut or throw the ball as far as you possibly can. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it seems to be those two things. I'm very interested in seeing how OU deals with Tyron Smith. Um uh, number one for the, um, for the miners uh, against North Texas. He had seven catches, for 127 yards. And they also had another guy, uh, uh, Ronaldo Flores. Uh, he was listed as a running back. We didn't log a carry um, who had eight catches for 122 yards. If UTEP rushes as a team for three, for a hundred yards, I would be surprised, but it will be interesting to see how Brent and co decide to deal with these two receiving options. Um, you know, is it a chance where they say, okay, Woody, DJ, just uh, Woody or whoever starting on the other side, just lock them up, have fun. Or do you think this is a way for the team to basically use this as a full scrimmage work on coverage rotations and things like that? I mean, what would you rather see them say we're superior athletes. We're going to play man one-on-one and um, allow different blitz packages happening from the linebackers or stuff. Or do you think this is a good opportunity to see what would happen if they're playing up different cloud coverage, nickel coverage, you know, quarters and stuff like that.
2: For me, uh, you know, one of the one of the things that's uh, kind of been one of the stories of the offseason that I've heard at least is that Venables doesn't just, like, kind of uh, spoon-feed the defense. I mean, he likes to put it all on them right away. So, I if that's the case, you'd like to treat this as the kind of thing where OU's playing, you know, it's typical – uh you know the, what you do, hope to see uh, their defense during the regular season really you know going for it uh not necessarily just trying to uh put some kind of package out there to survive you know i mean get some stuff on film uh and see what they can do
1: matt what do you think do you think this is going to be a slow rollout cuz even stoops was a slow rollout guy like he didn't quite know what was happening until texas like there's a whole thing of like the playbooks condensed right. until texas happens Luckily for I mean Levy, the playbook isn't all that big to begin with. It's kind of like right. here's the here's the seven plays we run. Good luck stomping them. And if Brent's gonna roll all this out from the beginning, I mean what, what do you what do you think is gonna happen? You think we're gonna see a slow roll or is this OU football is announcing itself uh, quickly, loudly, and with a passion?
0: Oh man, I, I think at least the game against UTEP is gonna be a slow roll. I'm I'm watching some highlights, I've watched some highlights that uh, UTEP North Texas game uh from what i saw like north texas was just having an easy time running the ball so i feel like the ou is just gonna they're gonna try to run for like 400 yards like it's just gonna be one of those games they just uh like okay we can dominate these guys our offensive line can dominate these these guys uh d line we're just gonna try to run the ball and uh get out of here with the easy victory but uh it wouldn't surprise me it wouldn't surprise me if levy comes out and is like you know what let's let's flex a little bit let's let's you know Let's try to put up 70 just because uh, it wouldn't surprise me. But honestly, just like watching a little bit of these highlights. Oh, you should have run the ball with zero problems.
1: Alan, do you have any other thoughts about UTEP before I try to move on to OU football recruiting? No, we can we can save those for later in the week. OK, uh, and for those who are. Uh, uh, wondering we will have uh on our patreon it's a patreon.com slash through the keyhole we'll try every week to have someone who covers the team that OU is playing to give us some maybe some insider information and uh, now for Utah and Kent State it's going to be more about um who is actually good on the team that we should pay attention to to see how OU handles them because <laughs> OU should be winning those games by 50 points <laughs> uh ish Uh, So that would be kind of interesting, but we're going to try to always bring in a perspective of someone else to kind of ask us questions about how the Oklahoma team is performing and we can give them, they can give us questions about what they've heard. Uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, whoever we bring in for Nebraska, because I'm assuming there may be some um, thrown furniture around at that point in time um, uh, for their season. Uh, but again, that's a uh, patreon.com slash through the keel for $4. You get literally everything access to our pick them that uh, Alan Kinney is putting together for us. Uh, we'll have some prizes there, but uh, keep looking ahead for that information. But we're here now for some more, more good. OU football news. Uh, currently. OU is sitting as the, as I click the buttons uh, for our recruiting team rankings. OU is currently sitting fourth overall on 24 seven with 284 point eight four points with 22 commits two five stars 13 four stars s- seven three stars with the recent additions of evans and vickers now vickers had been kind of leaned towards ou for a long time now but evans at the last second had been pushed to georgia and then again at the last second at the midnight hour committed to the good guys university of oklahoma sooners um Alan, can I parade? Am I allowed to parade around saying, oh, "Ou beat Georgia for a commit"? At this point in time,
2: well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's one, right? You know, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's that's my understanding. Yes, is that uh, there was some kind of back and forth here between OU and Georgia. It looked as though Georgia had uh, nudged ahead there, and then at the last second, uh, uh, Evans was able to uh, flipped over to OU i think this is probably going to finish out uh wide receiver recruiting for the sooners this year um with you know evans uh the, the uh kid from the other kid the kid from florida uh keon brown who is probably going to see a lot of his rankings um rise here in the coming weeks because he is uh he, he put on a show in week in his for his team's opening game and uh by all accounts is uh, you know, kind of catching the talent of Ily Weir's eyes. And then uh, the Petaway kid also from Texas, who's one of OU's uh, highest rated recruits so far.
1: Yes. Uh, uh, Jazway Petaway, uh, number 53 nationally, a uh, number nine receiver uh, in, according to 247. Um, yeah. It, it just looks pretty amazing for OU right now. And then also OU getting more crystal balls for a fi- another five-star defensive lineman, um, David Hicks. um That would put OU – let me bring him up. That would have have OU, I think, have the top two or at least two of the top five uh, defensive linemen in its uh, class. I mean, is that something Mm – when's the last time that's happened uh, at the University of Oklahoma? I do not remember – that seems like – that is – what am I trying to say here? That is – Georgia stuff. That's Alabama Yeah,
2: that's got to be like 15 years, right? Like, probably somewhere in there, right? Like, back when OU was recruiting, like, Gerald McCoy, for example. Um, Yeah,
1: David Hicks, according to 24-7, the composite, number eighth nationally, number one defensive lineman, number one player out of Texas. It'd be a big-time move for Oklahoma.
2: Yeah, it really would. And that's what, like, I mean, OU has really made clearly made an effort to – stock up on defense in this class but that's kind of the one that that surefire inside guy is kind of the one spot that they still could use they still need somebody you know you see some some guys out there who can probably bulk up and or will bulk up and end up playing defensive tackle but uh hicks would be a guarantee there and uh you know kind of guy that is you know just I And mean, that's the kind of player you need to compete at the top level in college football anymore.
1: And I'm not very good with this name, but I think Matt is, uh, has actually said this name <laughs> multiple times. Um, give me the name of the defensive lineman out of Kansas City, Missouri, who's currently uh, the number two commit uh, for Oklahoma.
0: Okay, so good thing for, for us. His, his real name is Adepoju, but he goes by PJ. He wants you to call him PJ, so that's easy. But it's Adepoju. Adabare. pj
1: pj easy mode
0: yep. uh yep pj Atabare is his name
1: uh he is considered the uh, number 35 uh player number six edge number one out of missouri again you would just have just a multitude of talent on the edges there and again like uh, alan was saying still needs someone to kind of plug up the middle i don't believe ou has well i mean Derek leblanc i guess mm-hmm. what do we think he's going to be an edge guy
2: I I mean well. He's at six like six four two seventy. Yeah, two seventy. So you you think you know he puts on maybe another fifteen or twenty pounds and is a playing inside? Yeah, um, but I, that's you know, that's
1: the sure. only inside guy OU currently has. So Hicks is kind of not only needed but it would be really really awesome mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, to get him. Uh, if OU grabs Hicks, that brings their score to uh, two ninety three. And just as a reference, the 284 number is higher than uh, Lincoln Riley's best class ever at the University of Oklahoma. So Brent Venable's already landing the highest and modern ranked um, recruiting class for Oklahoma. Adding Hicks gets it into the 293, which again would only put distance. And then you add in maybe they flip Peyton Bowen. Now they're at 299. Oklahoma's never had a 300 point class uh, since these uh, type of uh, numbers have been kept there's a really high chance OU is solidly within the top five, potentially top three uh, recruiting class this year, kind of depending on what happens at Texas, Georgia, and uh, Alabama. If they flip Peyton Bowen, Notre Dame's going to drop. I mean, Notre Dame's only above Oklahoma right now by a uh, half of a point. Um, LSU's only above them by a single point. So uh, uh, if they just get a commit, OU's going to jump up to the number three or number two class um, celebrate quickly, <laughs> because <laughs> the teams like Georgia and Alabama uh, and Ohio State, they're going to end up where they're going to end up, <laughs> and that's all what's going to happen. But this type of recruiting, this is SEC, get ready, here we go. Um, you still have, uh, I think, Renaud, I, I believe, no, who yeah. OU's in the fight with uh, Alabama for. And then there's talk, uh, I know Alan had talked about maybe this is the last wide receiver OU's taking but now there's getting more and more smoke about uh, T's being Mm. offered the ability to play wide receiver, or at least giving the option to prove if he can play wide receiver. Uh, And then if you flip him from Arkansas, uh, you're looking at a three you're looking at a top three class at that point in time. If those things were all to fall in line, Um, which I'll I'll be blatantly honest with you. And I know we've talked about it, but I think it's good for transparency. I really thought, Uh, Brent would be good for top eight classes, period.
2: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) yeah, you know, there's definitely uh, it's the the kind of amazing thing here is that you know, I mean, it's not it's not uncommon for coaches to get a little bit of a bump right away, right, because they get to sell kind of like you know, sell like a dream, but yeah, you know, you also do need some kind of proof of concept, like here's what we're doing and. Venables is doing a lot at this point. Uh, and that that whole staff are doing a lot at this point without any, you know, like on the field track record so far, right? So, I mean, that's I mean that that's to me somewhat unexpected. And on top of that, you know, when you consider um the kind of slow burn approach these have taken, also, I mean, the season still hasn't even kicked off yet, though, and they're using such good shape i mean this uh, these results are they're very i mean yeah there's no way to put it. they're just so surprising at this point it's just it's it's really exceeded i think what people envisioned to uh to kind of start off you know when he was first hired yeah i mean
1: matt what what when you i I guess we gonna work i mean the off season's over and it's kind of hard to kind of talk about it but are you ready for OU to snap? Are you ready for this to for the long the long winter of our discontent to finally be over? Hope is now going to happen here. OU should be just rolling through its first two weeks. We're about to be flying thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand feet in the air. Man, are you ready for this, dude?
0: I'm so ready, man. I'm, I'm I've been ready, man, because this off season, the off season. There's only so much you can talk about before it's just like, well we're kind of saying the same stuff over and over now. (laughs) It's like, yeah, we're predicting these, they are trying to predict these hypotheticals, yada, yada. I'm just ready to talk about some football. I'm ready to talk about games that happen and, you know, upsets that happen, some bad beats, like Alan's bad beat, just the second (laughs) ago and we zero, like (laughs) I'm ready to talk about all this stuff that happens, man. I'm tired of the, of the hypotheticals and projections. Those, those have their place, but I, I'm t- I'm tired of it now. It, when it's just so close, it's so close. It's right there, man. I'm I'm ready to get it going and, um, and man, just imagine too, like, like we, I know I, now I'm going to go over hypothetical after I just pretty much shit on hypotheticals for mm-hmm. a second there. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but like, imagine OU just is is rolling there. They're like eight and or something. Like, what does this recruiting class look like then? Too like, whenever, especially maybe some guys that they're know trying to flip from somewhere or guys that they're in on late or something they're actually get to see the success that brent is having or, or that ou has they're not just buying into the dream they're seeing it like unfold in front of their eyes and can actually buy into that like that's something that i i'm kind of looking forward to now and then you know on the flip side if it all goes to shit then whatever you know <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> we'll cross that's that bridge true. when we get there that's true um well, since we're still trying to figure out the in season stuff, and I don't know if we're since, yeah, we're having, we're about to have our our first uh, season podcast. The schedule will be changing next week. Uh, we'll have the uh, post game podcast recorded on Sunday. That will be behind a Patreon wall. Uh, and then we'll have a podcast midweek, that will be uh, our public podcast and a few other podcasts during the week, which are also behind the Patreon. Uh, again, for $4, you guys can come and join uh, the good fun. This is the last week of our off-season scheduling, so this is You're Listening. Sunday is our uh, public podcast at the moment, uh, and then Wednesday is our uh, behind-the-paywall podcast. Since that's the case, let's go ahead and get some score predictions, uh, because in the future, this will be happening in the midweek podcast. But uh, Matt, OU utep who wins who loses and what's the score who you got and why who you got and yeah. Why? um <laughs> i got
0: a, uh i got oh you i have not seen a spread for this i need to get oh
1: you i think it's 31 and down. a half
0: i know i know OU. uh 31 and a half okay gotcha i uh, figured OU would be favorite pretty heavy in this one um okay. I, I think oh is gonna cover i i'm saying uh I'll say OU fifty-six UTEP ten. I think OU just rolls. I think they're gonna be able to run the ball pretty much at will against UTEP, and UTEP's not gonna be able to stop it at all.
1: Alan, who you got and why?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm I also see OU like <laughs> you you wonder, like, is this gonna be the kind of thing where like they're like, I really we really wanna make a statement here. You know, part of the thing, too, to keep in mind is, like, like as we mentioned, like, Jeff Lebby's offense doesn't really turn off, if that makes <laughs> any sense. Like, like he's still going to let those guys who are on the, uh, you know, second string, if, if it gets to that point, they're still going to be firing. Um, so, you know, I imagine that, uh, you know, OU wins fairly comfortably here. Uh, let's say something like maybe 42 to 10. 42 to 10.
1: That's good. Um, uh, then myself, I'm, um, picking OU big cover there. Um, Over. Oh, you barely have them covering Alan. Not enough. Right. Well, 32, I right there I mean. at the point. Okay. It covers a cover it covers a cover. I, um, I have him uh, at, at this, the, the number I'm pulling out of my head. I was trying to think of how many okay, touchdowns and a couple of field goals. Uh, so I think it's going to be 55 to 13, uh, UTEP scores three times, uh, in my in my no, or maybe they score twice and miss a field, uh, miss an extra point, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but fifty five to thirteen, uh, that's what I think it is. I, I think you're just right. Uh, it's just going to be, um, I think the two starting running backs will probably be done in the third quarter, and then you'll have a uh, Chalchuk picking up eighty yards in the fourth quarter <laughs> as they're just uh, pounding it. I do not see them being able to run against uh, the interior of the defensive line. Uh, I think this will be a good showcase for Downs and Grimes to see just kind of letting them loose and run because they that quarterback is having to run around a lot against North Texas. So uh, OU should be tearing off the edges there. And then with the athletes in the secondary, like I said, it'll be interesting to see how OU decides to handle these guys. Um, you know, do they decide to kind of, open up some of these blitzes and coverage disguises or just let Woody cover them up. And that's, you know, call it a day. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that happens, but I think um, they, you know, UTEP scores late, gets a, gets a full goal late or two field goals late as kind of like losing interest midway yeah. through the fourth quarter, <laughs> so, so <laughs> something they, along that line.
2: <laughs> so like, let's say though, that this game turns out, it opens like uh like the way last year's season over was with, with yeah. Tulane, right. Where, yeah, Tulane kept made that a lot closer than anybody expected. Are right, is are you going to hit the panic button? Um,
1: uh, To be quite honest with you, um, you'll have to listen to the uh, post game podcast. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, that it would be a it would be a straight it would be straight panic mode at that point in time. In my opinion, I do not believe UTEP has the any sort of athletes in which you could justify it. Like in my mind, I was you you need to. You, Never go back and listen to that post-game podcast against Tulane. Myself and the founder, and I think Keegan as well, um, man, we did as many mental gymnastics as we possibly could to say this was a national championship team that was just super uninterested and they bought their own clippings. And like, you're just trying to do that. And if this team at this point in time, with everything they've had to deal with in the off season and, quote unquote being abandoned by a head coach and now having a new one and now buying into this new team culture of toughness and defending the standard and and if they come out flat I I I don't want to have to turn on ESPN at that point in time. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. I'll just have to delete Twitter or something for a couple of days because yeah you know if they only win by fourteen, if it's if they win by two scores, it's going to be a lot of people out there singing the woes of Oklahoma. Um, I think this has to be a statement game. I think this has to be a statement game. Uh, and I think, again, later on this season, uh, Nebraska just has to be a statement game at this point in time uh, to t- kind of, quote-unquote, get some monkey, get the monkey off the back uh, to a certain degree. Um, I guess, I, yeah, I would hit the panic button. I would hit the dump button. Uh, there'd be a lot of <laughs> cursing happening. Uh, since you posed the question, if, if OU wins 31 um 20 are you thinking okay what is it kind of a how did it happen or are you also kind of thinking i'm not the biggest fan of what i just watched
2: yeah um well i hate to do this but i think it's a how <laughs> um yeah okay yeah i mean who knows uh, you never know too i mean yeah utep didn't look good in week zero but They've also had now they've had their game ahead of OU in terms of, you know, preparation and implementation, everything they've seen, what they what what it looks like when they're on the field. That's kind of a different story than what he's got with the coaches coaches first game as a head coach. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's always contextual, but, you know, I, I certainly won't be doing any mental gymnastics about uh, OU being a national championship team in that in that case. How about that? Yeah, say that yeah luckily
1: we don't have to do that this year but last year was supposed to be the year that was supposed to be it was like everyone had circled that year like three years out and
2: <laughs> mm. that
1: sucked <laughs> yeah matt what would you rather uh have for you on the radio i mean oh you easy cruise win or uh, <laughs> uh biting oh my god what's gonna happen type of thing what's better for you guys
0: oh uh, man the better for the business is meltdown is that, that's the best for the <laughs> business man um but no, I, for me personally, I would obviously rather see OU cruise see easy win. <laughs> yeah. But hey, for engagement and listens, man, I, when when people are in meltdown, people are in crisis. It's uh, they listen to anything and everything. So <laughs> it's it's good for business. It's ter- yeah. terrible for us. It's like um, what was that? Uh, the Darren Reveld tweet is like. Uh, this is uh, terrible for our country, but this is tremendous content. Tremendous like, content, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What,
2: what sociopathic, man. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Was that but over like a... the
0: January 6th stuff? Like, <laughs> I think it might have been. This is terrible couldn't for our away. country.
1: could look away.
0: Yeah. This is tremendous content. content.
2: <laughs> but, uh, you oh, know, man. actually, Mark, Mark Ennis, I don't know if you guys follow him. He's a Louisville guy. He's been, you know, blogging a long time like I have or in the – kind of blogosphere-ish space and he, he yesterday he I guess he was kind of like live tweeting the Nebraska post game call-in show and he was saying you know like he's like here's here's some advanced stats for you like if every call or if if more than 50 percent of the calls that come in are prefaced by I've been a season ticket holder, before they start, you know, he's like, you know, the coach, you know, the coach is finished. And he's like, you know, I mean, I, he's like, I, Scott Frost is done there.
1: Yeah. To talk about the Scott Frost thing one last time, uh, I, maybe it's Nebraska. I think the sellout has to end. I think they need to let it in. I mean, it, it's kind of a thing where it's like, you're, you're. It's kind of like the, the Florida State bowl game thing, where it's like it's a zombie thing at this point in time. Like it's not even a real record anymore. You had to lobby to get it, like the last second thing or something. It's just, it's kind of like the Star Wars thing. Just let the past die, <laughs> <laughs> and then move on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but I think that's everything. Did that, uh, did we cover everything uh, on our side? As far as I can tell. All right. It's a that was a, a bit of a light fun episode. Like I said, all three of us had a pretty eventful weekend. So, thank you guys for uh for being patient with us. And then for one last bit of news, uh, every single home game, the post-game podcast uh, will be uh, hosted at Vanessa house, our title sponsor. We're working out some logistics right now. Uh, I Myself uh, will be in Tushka for the Choctaw Nations, uh, Labor Day festival uh, for the five people who will also be there, who listen to this uh, come say hi to me, but for everyone else, I'll be out in the middle of a, uh, East Central Oklahoma, uh, without much uh, ability to uh, to get my way to Norman, as I'll be uh, covering that for the uh, my uh, my day job, uh, my my nine to five. Uh, but we'll we'll have a, a presence at uh, uh, Vanessa House on Sunday to record the post game podcast. Uh, we'd love for anyone to come down there, come hang out, grab a couple of four uh, hundred one ks, and just kind of enjoy. I think the slush fun is always pretty good. Uh, just enjoy yourselves, have some fun. Um, And then without any further ado, Matt, as always, Boomer!